Now, I know it's been a while, but let me explain. This is your girl, Max B, and this is Something to Listen to podcast, the podcast where we're healing and walking in our truth. I'm back with another episode, and I just want to say thank you for those who have been pushing me to come back from this lengthy hiatus that I've been on. So I'm just going to jump right into this. It all started in the summer. You know, I was happy. I was in a good place. I I felt like I was on the up and up. You know, then I started sleeping around with my ex again because I felt like I could handle it. Like, I'm in a good place. I'm just living my best life. I'm not really worried about anything or having any attachments. Little did I know that that was the beginning of a little story called <laughs> the journey to my baby. <laughs> um, you know, I started a new job. I was teaching at a new school. Everything was fine. New place, new car, everything. Couple of months go by. Um, by this time, me and my ex, we decided, you know, he goes his way, I goes my way. He started being in a new relationship. He appeared to be very happy. I was in my own zone. And um, <laughs> one day I'm at work and I got a little sick. I got sick, went to the doctor. And I'm thinking it's because I had to start some new medication uh, um, and that wasn't what it was. The doctor told me that I was pregnant. When I tell you I was in denial so much in that office, I kept telling her like, it's no way, I can't be, it's not that serious. Like, when are you doing the blood test? When did the blood test come back? Because we just did the urine sample. And she was like, look, and she made me pee again and she checked the sample again. She was like, no, you're definitely pregnant. So, right off the bat, I'm crying. Tears. Hysterical tears. Emotional tears. Snot, Viola Davis, snot and all. <laughs> like, definitely, I could have gave Viola Davis a run for her money. Dead ass. <laughs> um, I think back about it now, and it's like, they weren't happy tears or sad tears. They were just emotional like an emotional wash um I felt like this wave of a storm was pouring out of me because I was so confused now I know you you know you get pregnant because you're having sex with someone but by this time again me and my ex weren't talking we we haven't slept together in about a month or about let's say a month and a half before that or going on almost two months so I knew it was his child it's just the fact that the the circumstance changed between us where we weren't even speaking and I was scared you know the first thing about it is that yo like I'm going to be doing this alone or yo like I can't kill my child. Like, damn, like, what situation are you in? Fast forward. Um, a week later, the blood test came back. Confirmed I was pregnant. 
And then here's the bigger shocker. I was already turning three months. I was turning three months when it was confirmed that I am pregnant. And it made it even worse emotionally because I definitely couldn't have made that decision to terminate my pregnancy because my child already had a heartbeat. And when I heard my child's heartbeat, my life changed. And um, I'll be honest, I got depressed. I emotionally shut down and withdrew myself from everyone around me. (laughs) Family, friends, and... uh, (laughs) everyone my dog uh and then things started getting worse for me uh I was so sick because I started getting really sick and I was dropping weight I got I became so fragile that you can see like my bones and my rib cage and um I wasn't holding on any weight and uh for a while we thought it was somehow it leaded to depression and something was going on but found out what was going on is that I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism and it was preventing me from holding weight and helping my baby stick weight to him, which added what? More stress, emotional, and more emotional turmoil. (laughs) You gotta like, excuse me for giggling because like laughing now is the only thing I can do instead of like crying because I did enough crying. I shed enough tears for months. Um... So, finding out I was pregnant, finding out that I had hypothyroidism, being put on bed rest, and still haven't spoken to my child's father uh, was such a whirlwind for me. Um, and yet, does not tell my family because I was afraid of their judgment. Um, I wasn't prepared for their opinions, and I was embarrassed. I felt ashamed because here I was on this healing journey and I put myself in a situation that made my life a little harder and here I was bringing a child into a situation I felt like that was chaotic. Um, So we're going to speed it up a little bit. (laughs) So about a month go by and I finally decide, let's tell my child's father because I'm ready to tell him now. And the reason I didn't tell him right off the bat is because I had so many things going on with me. And I was afraid and cautious because I didn't know what his response may be, being that he was already in a full-blown relationship with some other person. Um, I would have rather at the time I said I would rather he like and it was selfish to him he don't know and I make this out alone than him telling me oh he doesn't want to be involved in F this and F that and drama right <clears throat> so when I finally told him uh, he wasn't upset but I felt like he was more worried about having access to me 
then actually let's focus on the fact that, yo, we're pregnant. Like, I'm having a baby. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to co-parent? How do you feel about this? Um, to me, his mindset wasn't where my mindset was, which led to a lot of arguments, um, anger, confusion, and it was so many emotions between us that we stopped speaking for the majority of my pregnancy, which made also this pregnancy a little harder because I was so resentful towards him. Um, and what I was hurt because I felt like I wanted him there, but I knew that he couldn't be there. And what I mean by that is that if he was going to be there, I would have to deal with, from what his perspective is, I would have had to deal with the drama of other things that came along with, especially that he had to deal with telling his girlfriend and extra stuff. So... I bowed out and I kept him moving and I gave him the option and if he wants to be involved he can come hit me up he knows where I stay he still has my number and this is my due date at this time so I'm giving him a chance to deal with it in his own way moving forward see by this time, I'm still in the mode of, <sighs> have you guys ever seen the show Little Fires Everywhere with Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington? They're about a bunch of mothers and um, family. And there was this one episode where Reese Witherspoon and her daughter had got into an altercation. And... Reese Witherspoon expressed to her child that I did what I had to do and not what I wanted to do. And in that moment of my own pregnancy, I knew that I have to do what I have to do. Um, There's no way I was, uh, in the beginning when I first found out that I had the strength to abort my child, so I made the sound decision to carry on with this pregnancy and bringing this baby into this world. Um, and then finding out that I was high risk because of this hypothyroidism caused so much stress and emotional turmoil that I didn't know what was up, what was down. And I was scared a lot because I felt like I didn't know if I was being punished because of the decision I made of moving backwards when I should have kept moving forward. Um, I felt guilty that I couldn't find a way to protect my child at all. Um, I just wanted him to be healthy and born healthy and, and especially born into a healthy environment. And I had no control of anything but just going through the ups and downs of it. When I started to finally tell my family and friends, I can say that they were very supportive and I love my friends so much because 
these people, my friends, these they have been like the backbone to everything for me. Um, my sister, um, my mom, you know, the fear of me feeling like everyone's going to judge me or think this and think that. And it's like, even if they did behind my back, they've never shown it to my face. My friends calls me every day, all day. They're every, every step of the way they were there and still are here, you know. I'm eight weeks out from giving birth. And the only fear I have right now is how good of a mom do I need to be? Like, what do I, like, what type of mom and how I'm going to make sure my child is protected from the world and making sure I provide for this child and he's healthy and he's happy and, you know, and he's surrounded by love, you know. But without the people in my corner, I don't think that I would have made it this far because it wasn't until February that the cloud of depression lift and um and it's sad to say because it took the passing of my aunt my dad's sister passed away on in January last week of January and um to the second to the last week of January and it wasn't until the day of her funeral did I realize that I really had something more to live for. Um, because still, even then, I was hiding my pregnancy. And I was so sad because I told my aunt, the one that passed away, and she was one of the first people I told, and she was so happy for me. And at her funeral... I was so disappointed because the first person who was happy for me would never get the chance to meet my child. But looking at her in that casket, all I could think about is that last moment I had with her, me telling her that I'm pregnant, and her's just brightening my day and telling me so many positive things, you know? And I'm sorry, you guys, but... uh. Give me a couple seconds. So that day, I vowed that, you know, whatever, anything that's thrown at me, you know, I'm going to make it out of this. It's not, it's not the end of my story. It's the beginning of, I guess, my son's story. And I started looking at it that way, like, okay, like he's he's going to be here. He's 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 here. He's kicking. Uh, no matter what the doctors are saying, like you know, still high risk. He's underweight, um, but everything else is fine. Like, what can I do to make sure that I'm his biggest soldier, his biggest supporter? You know, like everything just flipped inside of me. Um, still, at that time, have not talked to his father. Um, Until recently, maybe about a month ago, uh, we started communicating again. And he wanted to be involved. But I was so already on guard because my whole pregnancy was going that I couldn't allow 
him in completely because I had this wall up. Um, I had this guard of, I'm not going to let you hurt me. I'm not going to let you hurt him. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be in and out of his life, even though he has not yet been born. But to me, he is still alive. He's he's kicking. I, like I feel him. Uh, you know, I I'm as a mother. You know, we carrying these child. We already have this attachment, this bond, this sacredness with our child already. You know, from just carrying them, that I became like I guess the instincts of the mama bear, mama lion came out of me, and I couldn't allow him to ease his way in. I I was very uh, forthcoming, like, either you want to be involved and I need you to come to doctor's appointments. Like, I'm saying an OB, an OB specialist and a thyroid doctor. I'm saying two, I'm having two to three doctor's appointments a week. I need you to be here. I need to know that, you know, this isn't a game for you. We're not, we're not doing this. And I think that from my own personal resentment towards the situation that I may have played a hand in just backing him in a corner. Um, You know, our processing state weren't the same because I was in it from the start. And he became in it when he wanted to become in it. we disagreed a lot for the past couple of weeks about, because I've already came up with a plan. I had my baby name picked out. I had a plan of where I was going to stay, who was going to help me. Um, when I go back to work, what the what was going to happen. And he felt like I wasn't including him or anything. He had no say so. And I expressed to him like, well, you know, I've been going through this for so long by myself. I don't even think of you and your family or anyone because this is because regardless of what you do, I have to still be a parent. And which led to us not speaking again. <laughs> and um, um, eight weeks out, and it looks like, you know, I don't know if we will be speaking by the time my son is born. And uh. I will never keep him out of my son's life. I will never I will never play that role of blocking a relationship of a parent and a child. Uh, I just think that for me, I'm just in a place where I had to overcome so much mentally and emotionally that I don't have time to think about anything other than like the well-being of my child mentally and physically. Um, and that's what has been going on me for this past <laughs> almost half year and months that I've been dealing with the emotional battle of becoming a parent and going through my pregnancy mostly alone. Besides the help of my very close friends who were there emotionally to support me. And I couldn't come on this podcast and talk to you guys because I felt like who am I to sit here and say anything to these people when I'm going through this? How can I encourage people when I'm not even encourage myself? How can I sit here and tell someone to love themselves where I'm feeling so empty right now? And I felt so bad 
that it took me so long to actually feel like I loved my son. It's not that I regretted being this situation. I just, I was angry at myself because I put myself in a situation <laughs> like this. I mean, I didn't have any control over the hypothyroidism, you know, uh, but I did have a decision and choice of making and be, in my behavior and, and I take accountability in the fact that I was on a good path. And because of my <laughs> don't give a F attitude, I was moving recklessly that I put myself in a situation where my child may grow up without a father or... You know, the fact that I've been sitting home alone, and I mean home alone because, like, back when I went on bed rest, I had to stop working. Then, next thing you know, my car broke down, and I'm sitting in this apartment with my dog, and I'm struggling physically, emotionally, and I just didn't see a way out. I didn't see a way of peace, a way of happiness. Until recently, and I mean recently, um, now I can say that I got through it. I got through the beginning stage of it because we know the hard part starts once the child is here. But I can say that like I overcame the battle of depression and and I don't know what to call it, but I got through it. And I love my son so much, and I cannot wait to hold him and kiss his little cheeks. Um, and also thank my brothers. <laughs> my brothers have, I love my brothers so much. They have been very supportive. My eldest brother showed up for me like I'm his baby mama. <laughs> And I love you, Sean. I love you so much, and I appreciate you so much. Um, my cousin Keisha, um, oh, she's very, that's my A1 day one, you hear me? Uh, once I realized that I have more than enough, you know, it made things easier, and I couldn't see that for a while, because I kept thinking, like, how this and how that? But now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm ready to do this. What do I need to do this? How do I prepare to do that? Because my son didn't ask to be here, so he doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything. You know. And this was something to listen to. This is your girl, Max B, and I'll be back for part two. I love you guys.